Hi guys, Tom from Stonewolf here. We're a UK-based fitness apparel brand who sponsor the Shire Fit team. We'll be releasing our brand new performance t-shirts on the 31st of August 2023 and they'll be available in teal and blue. They're performance-based because they're sweat-wicking and antibacterial. You can find these on our website, stonewolffitness.com and use the code SHIREFIT for 10% off. Hello everyone and welcome back to the ShireFit podcast. We are uh, doing the second episode today of the Movement series. Johnny is back from a brief break in France. Hello. Bonjour. Did you say bonjour? Bonjour, yeah. ça va? How is your French? Oui, uh, Excellent. My French is not bad to be fair. I got complimented on it a couple of times. Good luck. Did you have a good time? In. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I just go in and say, look, I understand French better than I can speak it and I'll try my best and they were always like, oh, cool, fine. Yeah, you know, oh. they were actually really... Um, they they don't like when you speak badly. Fairly. It's funny because there was like two schools. Of, yeah. We were quite rural France yeah. in the Dordogne region. And um, in, the first night, yeah, in the first night that we were there, no, not the first, well, the first night after we'd picked my mum up because Natalie and I drove down, so it took a while, but we went into this like village square and I went into a bar. They looked like they were closing. So I, I went to the bar woman, woman and, and said, you know, tu vend des boissons uh, encore, which means are you still selling drinks? Mm. Nice. And she just went, I speak English. Ah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'd just like to try. Great. And she was like, oh, you can try you want. And I was like, okay, I'll just check with my wife. And because Natalie was like looking at the drinks. And then as I went back to speak to Natalie, uh, a guy like came up at the bar. I was like, all right, lads, yo, guys, what do you want? And we're like, oh, are you from England? He's like, yeah, I'm from Manchester. And I just laughed and I said, they've, rural just, they, they've just sent the guy who's English to speak to the yeah. English people. Yeah. Um, whereas other French people were like, your French is good. And, you know, thanks for trying something. So. It's just, yeah, it's a well bit done. different, but yeah, it was good. Um, good to have you back, mate. Um, we did the bonus episode with Jack last year away, um, which was uh, last week or two weeks ago. If you haven't heard that one, it's a bit of a roundup of the mindset series that we did. So um, get on there and have a listen to that if you haven't. So this week, back to the usual format with the listener question. The listener question this week is going to be about approaching training or nutrition for uh, the masters athlete or much more mature athlete as the guest put or the questioner put it uh strength section is going to be about ice baths um are they the best thing for recovery and the workout is going to be mine and johnny's top tips for training on your own or training in a group and then just setting the context for that because obviously this is a podcast majority for gym members so when we talk about training on your own more ne- kind of geared towards training in open gym, perhaps training on your own in between classes and learning new things. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about training in a group, we're talking about the classes majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kicking us off with our listener question. The question is from Jeremy. He didn't want to remain anonymous. Uh, Jeremy says, how do you work with or approach training or nutrition for the more mature athlete? And... Uh, for context, Jeremy is set to compete in the Masters 55 to 59 division this year. So uh, I love it how he's used the term mature, the more mature mm. athlete. Yeah, seems like a good way of putting it. Yeah, like the Masters athlete <laughs> and then to specify age range. Yeah, it um, should be like cheeses. Mild, mild, mature, medium, mature, extra, extra mature. mature. Yeah, right. And then vintage. What age group does it go into in terms of competitive CrossFit? 65? <sighs> I think there might even be, yeah, 66 to 70 is there, I don't know. Just wild, yeah. that, isn't it? Like, 70-year-old, yeah. like a max dead. And you're like, that's cool. You know, because loads of people are like, oh, you know, I want to still be able to, like, 
bend over and pick shit up and they're like yeah. pulling heavy weight off. Do you know what I mean? Some it's, of them are fucking it's like, that's well. what I mean. It's, it's, you know, the range, the range that you train that we spoke about and, yeah. you know, like keep up what you want to keep up type piece. Mm. It's a cool thing. So you go first, mate. Um, nutrition. What, how would you approach this differently for a, a master's or an aging? The thing client? is, is that there, there are a few unique pieces, but it's still a kind of, the, you know, the healthy balanced diet, mm. more protein for the training individual. You know, those things still apply. But with an older person, your risk of osteoporosis and sarcopenia goes up, right? And bone mineral density can come down. What's sarcopenia? What's osteoporosis and sarcopenia? They're both diseases that relate to like low bone mineral density and therefore like higher levels of breakages or like, and it, and it mostly comes from like people who are older who fall and they're more frail, they're more likely to break or, you know, be unable to get themselves back up and that kind of thing. So it's like mm. muscle wastage as well as bone density going down. Um, and, the, and one of the key things is to continue weight training, right? Cause like the anabolic, um, production of, of, of lifting weights and moving against resi- resistance helps against anabolic resistance. So it's like, you're already doing that, Jeremy, by training. So kudos to you. And then the only other piece is that um, muscle protein synthesis might become more difficult. So protein in a singular meal may be higher. So when I was studying, a key thing that we were taught to think about was like in, in elderly populations and like homes or like, you know, give your grandparents the gift of like whey protein or whatever like it would be really helpful for these places to give them like large doses of dairy like milk and che- like cottage cheese and 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 whey to have a higher protein intake per meal without just having to like chow down on like two steaks mm. so that would be the thing that i'd think about would be like per meal mm. potentially doubling up on protein but for a, an ease of digestion maybe like a, you know like a meat and dairy type piece hopefully you know if you can if you're not a, even if you were veg or vegan you'd you just go for the supplementation version of those things. Um, and then the only other thing to be thinking about would be continuing to get plenty of omega-3 fats. And so if you're not a big fish eater, then to supplement with that. But that's a, yeah. that is a game for joints for, everyone. for uh, anti-inflammatory? Both. Both, yeah. Yeah, and, and also just for balancing your fatty acid profile. Mm. Like a lot of people talk about cholesterol and lipid profiles. And the, the thing that you can do for that is not necessarily lowering saturated fat, but increasing your intake of mono and poly unsaturated fats. And one of the big things of those is omega-3s. We don't get a big intake of that within our diet unless we're big sort of like fish eaters. So omega-3 supplementation is, is recommended. Like I take omega-3s, I'm not a big oily fish fan. Do you? That's, that was huge years ago, wasn't it? The old, um, what was the brand? Was it Pure Farmer? Pure Farmer, they're now yeah. called Puri. Yeah, they're still so about, that was huge. They still do, Everyone was an omega three. They still the do day. the best omega three. Kind of lemony, yeah. but I mean, we're going to go talking these wise pass. Yeah, these things seem to run in trends, right? Yeah. It's like if I would argue about um, and the thing with omega threes is there's lots of one, isn't there? That one of the I think that's the thing is that like we don't get much of the other, right? something like that. Well, that, that's, that's the piece of like omega six and nine. Oh, exactly. yeah, so like exactly. we get a lot yeah. of omega six and nine, but not yeah. enough omega three. Yeah. And, and when people bang on about the, the Mediterranean uh, lifestyle, you know they're big fish eaters and they're big mm. like olive oil and nuts and seeds. And it's like mm. let's get more nuts, seeds, oils, and omega threes in our life mm. because the Western, not Western, but like English and US diet is very like saturated fat heavy. Okay. And so it's not that saturated fat is bad, it's mm. just that we need a balance. Yeah. Roger. Um, that's really interesting because I, I kind of half expected you to say not no change really. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that there are some little some, tweaks. Some pieces, it's like it's the yeah. same thing, but maybe just like with a few 
yeah, differences. Exactly the fact the that you're already weight training is a good thing. Yeah. Because that's the harder thing of like getting your, you know, your 50 or 60 year old mm, building that resilience. or granddad yeah. to like start weight training mm. when they've never done it. So mm. it's like the fact that you're doing that is great. Yeah. Um, same for training, really. Uh, exactly the same in terms of like, there are a few minor tweaks, but the general rules apply um, in terms of approaching training. So the key consideration you have to take into account for a master's athlete is that recovery is slower um, than uh, a younger athlete. Um, and recovery has its own variables, you know, lifestyle, sleep, nutrition, a factor, you know, all of those are a factor. So just as a general rule, a master's athlete will have a slightly slower uh, recovery than a younger athlete. However, based on the other factors, they might not, you know, so it's not, it's just a general rule. From that general rule, then um, you need to adapt your training. So I think this is all about being clever and intelligent in your program design. Something that the Shirefit gyms do um, is try and uh, intelligently set up the week so that the movements day to day complement each other, don't um, clash with each other. So, for example, if you've got heavy back squats on Monday, you're not going to go and do lunges on. Uh, Tuesday because your legs are probably going to be pretty sore and pretty tired so some sort form of intelligent training design I would say with someone like Jeremy is probably doing extras he needs to be clever about what he does extra and how that ties into the classes yeah um and try and leave as big a gap as possible between training of different types so if you think about types being generally central nervous system training that would be big really heavy stuff um Muscular training, that would be lots of reps of muscular things. And aerobic training, that would be like when you're out of breath. So leave as big a gap as possible between training types. Leave as big a gap as possible between muscle groups. You know, that would be quads, back, hamstrings, biceps, whatever. And leave as big a training gap as possible between um, style of training as well. Like, you know, whether it's CrossFit or cardio, whatever. So... I'd say for Jeremy, um, try and maximize those gaps and then carry on with the same type of training that everybody else is doing at Shirefit. Would you change the ratio of intense sessions versus like aerobic sessions from a Metcon and cardio point? Like, you know, fewer times per week where you're really pulling the pin and more times a week when you're practicing more like aerobic metabolism, skill-based repeatability type work? Absolutely, yeah. I felt like that was a lo- loaded question, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, um, like, it's... Ge- generally, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting to look at the at the very ends, right? So, yeah. you, looking in the messy middle is difficult. So, go right to the very end. A 15, 16 year old full of testosterone sleeping 14 hours a night and just like crushing, <laughs> crushing growth at the moment. <laughs> you can literally get them to lift heavy every single day of the week and, and they're like rubber bands. You know, you can throw them into walls and they'll bounce back easily. I mean, even the age, ages between 18 to 25 yeah. were magical. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, but the as you get older, let's say, you know, let's get an 80 year old here. The For a start, you're probably never going to really max out you might do heavier sessions, but it's probably not going to be single reps. Um, you're going to need to do one of those, maximum one of those a week, probably want to be one of, one of those every two weeks. Um, and then the majority of your time is spent doing aerobic work or muscular endurance stuff. And, and kind of you're tipping your program towards that and you're biasing away from maximal lifts. Yeah. yeah and maximal uh, intensities as well. Yeah. And I can imagine then... Um... 
it's like a you don't use it yeah. you lose it type piece like a mobility thing of um range of motion training yeah. with Jer- jeremy's a beast athlete by the way he's got like some serious numbers like really strong guy um i think i've seen him front squat like 140 or something he's got easily a 130 130 plus bench deadlifts heavy as well i think he's 200 plus deadlifts so he's, he's got good strength yeah um i think he'll probably just have to as he gets older tailor that the intensity that he reaches on those and the frequency that he hits those numbers a lot and shift that more towards like i say aerobic and more muscular endurance work yeah cool hope that helps jeremy um we i think all the gyms now offer some form of personalized service i think down in corby it's called coached up here it's called premium uh, so if you want any more advice on your training and maybe a coach actually guide you through that process then obviously get in touch mate uh, hashtag, right. hashtag ad, hashtag spawn. Yeah, gotta get the plug in. <laughs> um, moving on to the strength work then, which is the popular fitness concept concept that ice baths are the best thing for recovery. Ice baths are all over oh, my man. Instagram you, feed. At like the we we agreed beforehand that you're going to talk more about this because I've not looked into it enough at all, but. It just looks like everybody's buying Everyone. bloody ice like bath 20 brands. In, my, in my life. Yeah. I'm like, I'm seeing it, you know, like my mum is close to buying an ice No, she's mm. not really, but you know what I mean? I'm seeing it everywhere. It just Everyone's used got to this, be like, plastic loomy, tub. but now it's like all these different Everyone. breakout brands. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, it's the new fish oil. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know if you noticed, but all the ads are getting slightly more thirsty. So now okay. it's just like girls in their knickers getting in to like get the viewership up and, uh, and then like that helps them sell more and stuff like that. Oh, that's weird, crazy. you know, because I did get a DM from an ice bath <laughs> company saying we want a picture of you in your budget. Right, that would be sales through the roof. <laughs> right, so yeah, um, this is my take on this. I mean, me and Johnny will be honest and say that probably not the most well-read, you know, on this subject, but um, I have listened to a few podcasts from Huberman um, and me decanting that information towards you guys, I think is important. So number one, start, let's start with layer one, which is that no fancy tool in terms of recovery, be that a Ferragun, an ice bath, some supplement, whatever will be good quality sleep, good quality relationships with the people around you that you love and good quality nutrition. So any of these fancy little gimmicks, you know, that you've seen, you know, they're all over your Instagram feed trying to sell to you. Um, bear in mind that the basics are sleep, nutrition, relationships, you know, and also a part of recovery is training intelligently. So that's number one. Number two, our ice baths effective for recovery. So there is a small amount of evidence to suggest that ice baths improve your rate of recovery when you're training in an incredibly hot climate and your core body temperature goes up by more than 0.5 of a degree which is quite a lot like something like over one degree of i think your core temperature is like 37 degrees is that right or something like that? something around there yeah, like something it's around. Like set the same so as like one degree different and you'll be seriously ill two degrees different core temperature we're talking about you'll die because all your enzymes and things start to slow down and your bacteria starts to die and you're in big trouble so if you get like half a degree half a degrees difference in core body temperature this is, we won't get this in this country. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the peak of summer, if you're not hydrated and you, you know, the room's not ventilated or whatever, I don't know, but more like, this is more talking to people out in America, you know, it's really hot or in Spain or in te- you know, Madrid, uh, Mallorca, whatever, um, they might experience this, but when your core temperature rises above half a degree, 
using an ice bath to bring that down quickly after training. So the moment I finish my training, straight in the ice bath, brings it down quickly, does accelerate recovery. Yeah. However, in this country, our chances of our core body temperature going up by half a degree during a training session are low. And so recovery in terms of an ice bath comes similar to what you would use something like Imodium for if you had the runs. So say uh, you're ill, you know, you've got the runs and you have a speech to give the next day. You might take Imodium to get you through that speech and stop yourself from embarrassing yourself on stage because the next day is important to you. But doing that actually slows the process of becoming well again Mm -hmm. because it keeps all of the bad stuff in your body, you know, your body's trying to get rid rid of. Mm -hmm. Similar in terms of ice baths, if you're playing rugby on the Saturday and then rugby again on the Sunday, you're on a tournament or something, the ice bath would be good to stop the inflammation process or slow the inflammation process from day to day, which therefore means you'll probably feel better the next day. I'm glad you mentioned that because this is the piece that I think that it's beneficial for is the competitive athlete who has got a couple of sessions a day or is in a comp. Yeah. And this is what made me laugh because I was like, it's 2023 and ice baths are making this like massive resurgence. Like mm. I've got a picture of myself in 2014, just getting out of an ice bath in Brussels because mm. I was at the Brussels throwdown. Yeah. So it's like, I had an ice, you know, they had that there for athletes because it's like, you just rode 10K, like yeah. get in the ice bath. And, and I think this is where go wrong. We've known it for ages. Because they see the games athletes do go it. straight into the ice bath. Yeah. They go, oh, that, that's... But it's, it's a short-term thing because they're like they're doing four, five, six workouts that day, mm. like that, and and then after that they'll take a month of training. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that thing of that age-old advice of of using an ice pack for a sprain or a broken bone. They're changing that now to like actually let the swelling happen for the first few days, yeah. because that inflammation process is key to recovery mm. in the long term. Yeah. But if you want a short-term get back and do a one rep max squat, you you want to do that, but it's not your recovery strategy for life it's like a short-term intervention exactly yeah um and so yeah they are they do serve a purpose for yeah like you say a competitive athlete or or you know someone who has multiple events across a weekend or something like that um that inflammation process is the start of all of the good stuff coming in and all of the bad stuff coming out it's that it's that scary word inflammation though isn't it Mm. it's like it's a buzzword to be like oh inflammation yeah it's a natural process. It's yeah. when it's chronic yeah. that is a, an issue. And, you know, as you said, if you're getting four hours sleep a night and, yeah. you know, you're chugging 10 beers and, and you know, eating Kentucky Fried Chicken every day, every meal and, you know, like not not uh, doing anything else. Did you like, just describe Jack Turner? <laughs> <laughs> Ice baths aren't going to help you, bro. No, I'm pretty sure he gets more I'm sleep joking, he doesn't joking. drink. Um, so what are they good for then, the ice baths? So... What they are good for is uh, rewiring your neural pathways, okay? Um, So the act of getting into the cold water, that whole discipline of I don't want to go in it. No one wants to go in cold water. No one enjoys it, yeah? So I don't want to get in here, but I'm going to do that and I'm going to make sure I do it has a lot of positive benefits. I'm not the expert on that, okay? Um, That would be Huberman's job. You know, there's a huge dopamine release, which is dopamine is like a fuel for doing difficult things. So that's why people say, I feel more productive when I've had a cold shower. I feel more productive once I've done an ice bath, all these sorts of things. Um, <laughs> cold showers. Yeah. Or that's what they're useful for, okay, is that 
learning that discipline side and that rewiring your neural and I think they're called endocrine, I don't know what they're called, but those sort of chemicals that, that we need to rewire. And they are incredibly popular with people who um, perhaps need that in their lives. Like there's a lot of comfort and softness in, in modern modern life, isn't there? Like we don't have to go out and hunt for food. Like everything's there. It's easy for us, pretty comfortable lives. Pretty, like when I say, obviously feels hard for people right now. I don't want to insult anyone. But I mean, in terms of like our life expectancy is up. We've not got to fight bears on the way to get water every morning, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've not had to fight bears for water <laughs> well, for a long time. And there are probably some nations that still do. Yeah, so um, but I get your point. using the ice bath as a tool to increase your... Do you think it increases mental toughness and resilience? Would you say that that would be I think anything, anything... I don't think the ice bath is the best tool for that, but I think anything where you don't really want to do it, but you make yourself do it is useful for your, for your brain, yeah. mental strength and resilience, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's... So let's round up on ice baths. Not good really for recovery, probably very good for all the other mental benefits that are associated to it. And let's just leave that there. If people yeah. are interested in, you know, those mental benefits, <clears throat> go see an expert about it. It's one of those pieces where it's like, hey, if you have the money to buy one and you want to do it and you try it and you feel like there's a benefit to your life from doing it, then yeah. hey, go ahead. Do you know what I mean? It's like, then cool. Yeah. But like, what's it, who's it harming? No one. I can hear people ringing in the background now going, how come you got one then? Because well, you guys train several times. Oh, have you got rid of it now? No, no. Well, yeah, we don't use it as much. But you do train several we times. We did buy yeah. one. And well... It wasn't really, we didn't really buy it for that reason. So I knew when we were using it that it was going to slow my recovery from day to day. And I didn't really want that. We used it for um, the mental development of trying to be in an uncomfortable situation and stay in there. Okay, so nothing quite puts you in an uncomfortable situation like getting into cold water. And me, for example, I've got a bit of an issue with... Um, pressures on I've got to hit a certain lift I've got to hit a certain number and then freezing as a result of that not freezing in terms of I can't do a lift but not performing as well as I should do Tara's in the same boat so we were using the ice bath as a tool to develop our ability to stay in that don't freeze move away from the situation or miss the lift stay in that difficult situation and calm down and get regulation and control of your breathing rate heart rate all those things so we're using it as a tool for that development, not necessarily a tool for recovery. Enough on ice baths. If you've got one, hope you're enjoying it. If you're not, don't feel like you're missing out. Fill up a tub at home. <laughs> uh, on to the workout then, which is mine and Johnny's three top tips for training in your uh, on your own and also training in your group. So just like the context I set at the start of the podcast, training on your own, we're talking about potentially an open gym, or if you've got your own space at home, maybe this could even apply to if you're doing runs and additional things in parks or whatever. Even if you're, you know, you have a business trip and you're away for a week, yeah. and you're in a hotel. Do you know exactly. What I mean? Perfect, stuff like yeah. that. Cool. So, tip number one is have a plan of your training. I think it's really important. Um, why is that important, Johnny? I think it's too easy to um, just dick about. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, and and it definitely depends on what you're goal is with training like i'm assuming people listen to this podcast you know shy fit goal is like improved fitness improved ability potentially at crossfit either competitively or at least in the movements that you see quite regularly 
and thereby having a plan would help you with the direction of the things that you were working on at that time, having a set, you know, sets, reps, prescription. Um, and at least then it focuses your energy on that rather than just being like, so what should I do today? Yeah. And then just maybe gravitating towards stuff that you always do that you're like good at or enjoy doing. If you're just trying to keep fit, all roads lead to Rome. So you can be a bit more, I guess, like flexible with it, but having a plan at least still then means you don't, you know, talk yourself out of it. It's too easy to be like, ah, I've not got a plan. I'm in a hotel. Like I saw, I might as well just like not do anything. Whereas actually there's a lot of things that you yeah. could do if you wanted to. I think, okay. So looking at broad themes, I think when you train on your own, one of the issues is motivation. Tra training in a group, you tend to have more motivation. So yeah. training on your own, having a plan makes, gives you an element of motivation because you've written it down. So you're going to do it. It gives you that productivity, you know, just like anything in life, you write down a plan, you're more likely to yeah. actually follow through with it. It gives you that little bit of motivation to do it. Um, number two is never change the plan during the session. So this comes from me mainly. It's, it's like, a, cause I did a lot of training on my own when I was in the army and I, you know, I'd get a chance to go to a gym, but no one did CrossFit. They all just did runs. So I'd go and do my own training. And what I found was that, it, that whenever I changed sessions during so i start the session and then back away or maybe worse i start a workout and then back away it becomes quite a slippery slope mm. so I've, i might say for example in my plan that i've gone in with that i'm going to do every minute on the minute for 10 rounds i'm going to do 10 burpees that's my plan and when you're on your own that little voice creeps in sometimes it says eight's enough you get yeah. to eighth round you go oh, you know you you're, you're working hard there eight's enough you've done enough yeah and i think that without the environment the group around you it's easy to fall foul of that so my golden rule when i was doing that was if i'd started it i finished it yeah. even if it made it really hard because occasionally you do set things that are a little bit out of your reach maybe you do things that are a little bit too hard but the counter to that is if you start that slippery slope of, oh, well, I'll just do eight rounds or I'll just do 10 kilos lighter, it doesn't matter. It's quite hard to make progress, I'd say. Yeah, there's definitely a case for people maybe not um, adding the right load and then not mm -hmm. getting the response, right? Yeah. So like I, I have to, with the clients I work with remotely, I need to kind of constantly remind them of the RPE base and, and the kind of case of like, you know, if you've, done that weight last week, challenge yourself to lift heavier, see if you can, you know, push it into that and you can respond better by being, you know, maybe pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone when it comes to a weight. I think there's got to be some leeway with the rate of perceived exertion of um, being able to vary things if you genuinely are having a crummy day. So like, yeah, you know, so that's like, what don't I mean hit before. an 80% yeah. packs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that's so if you come in, you're not feeling great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay to then say, okay, I'm not going to do change every minute on the minute for 10 rounds. I'm going to do eight. That's or fine. Or I'll lower the reps and still do yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll lower the intensity, but I'll keep the volume. Yeah. Um, because I think that's the key piece to change. Mm. Don't necessarily need to change the volume. Um, well, you would be changing the volume if you change the reps, I guess, but you're also changing the intensity. You're lowering mm. it because you're making it easier if it's a lower percentage of your max, right? Yeah. That's intensity could could be determined by a percentage of a max, whereas volumes like total reps and sets. Yeah. So you could lower the volume by lowering the reps within an EMOM, but keep the sets of the EMOM the same. And and thereby that's lowering the intensity if we're talking about like body weight movements mm -hmm. and stuff. If we're talking about max lifts, you're just taking the percentage down yeah. and focusing maybe more on your technique mm -hmm. and moving well, moving fast, you know, um, 
and you're genuinely doing that because you feel like shit rather yeah. than like going in and being like, I can't be asked. Yeah. You know, you've got to say to yourself, is it because I feel like shit or can I not be asked? Yeah. And if I can't be asked, what is actually the self-care piece here? I think that's the key. When I talk to people about self-compassion and self-care, they're like, oh, but I'm just, that's just being easy on myself. It's like, no, it's not. It's, it's giving yourself the best thing that you need for yourself in the moment, mm. like you and I would give to each other. So if you came in and you were like, oh man, I feel like crap, you know, like um, I slept really badly and, yeah. and all this. And I was like, maybe, like, maybe, just maybe you should take it easy yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you came in, you were like, I really can't be asked this session. I'd be like, nah, come on. You, you know, you, know you, yeah, you yeah. know you need it. It's yeah. going to make you feel better. And that's, yeah. that is what you need. So it's being like, I think, I think that's really hard to do in the session. Yes. Because you're, you're emotionally kind of. Oh like, yeah, like, I've been there yeah. where I'm like, I could just do <laughs> one less round, yeah. but then you're like, but then who are you cheating yourself yeah. really? Training by your heart yourself is hard. Like yeah. I've done it for years, mm. and you're right in that having a plan really, really helps. And mm. that's why, again, like if you want to go up to premium and get like individualized help from yourself, it's really, really helpful. The thing that made me more motivated was working with an individual coach because mm. I was like, I know that this program is written for me. Mm. It's you know, periodized so that I'm hitting the right things on the right days. I know that I'm attacking my weaknesses more than my strengths. And I can see the benefits as well from like retesting things mm. that motivates you for the session. So like, if you need that, get that because it's better than then just turning up, dicking around and not thinking you're making any progress. Yeah. Okay. Last tip for training on your own is to video and learn something that I don't do enough of really. And that I wish I did more. Some people are awesome. I that's constantly like video and review, video and review. Obviously, when you're training on your own, you don't have a coach, you don't have the group around you to help you. So video can be a really awesome tool for, you know, spotting faults. And maybe you think like, oh, that didn't feel very good. If you videoed it, you can look back and go, oh, that was because my weight was back towards my heels. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you can make changes during the session, which is great. And also looking at the positive side of training on your own, it's great for introspection, right? Yeah. You can actually like be involved in your session, how you feel, what's going on why that lockout's a bit weird on that side and, you know, really like reflect on yourself, which is awesome. So um, something I would advise people to do if they train on their own is, is video. Um, I agree. Um, training in a group then, moving on. So first tip with training in a group, sounds obvious this one, um, but that's don't compare. Um, so ease, you know, the, the over-popularized saying now of comparison is thief of joy uh, is true. You know, if you're in a group setting, you have to ride, we're going to talk about the benefits in a second, but you want to ride the energy and the wave of everybody else being around you, but also not go, oh, well, he's lifting 10 kilos more in the corner. So, you know, he's better than me and just recognize everybody's on a different journey. It's literally the most pointless thing that you can do <laughs> Yeah, because it doesn't bring you any benefit and it brings you nothing but sadness because everybody is in a completely different boat. Mm. They have a different background different training background, different um, genetics, different history within CrossFit, outside of CrossFit. Um, and then, you know, you have a different setup leading to that day as well. Yeah, even day to day, I was like, just about to say that. Just, yeah. There's just so many variables. Yeah. It's just the most pointless thing in the world. Just don't do it. Yeah. Number two is uh, harness the energy or the atmosphere um, in the group. So, I mean, I think this is this is why I enjoy training in a group more than individual. That's me personally. I'm more of an extroverted person. I like being around people. I love having that energy and that atmosphere. There have been sessions like last year where I've walked in and thought, you know, I'm not really feeling this, but managed to come away with some really big wins because of the people around me. And like, 
you know, there's nothing quite better than the group think, is there? And in, in many ways, in, in like max lifts, when people are behind you and cheering you on and willing you and wanting you to get it, that's huge. But also in workouts, when you're just doing the same thing, just chipping away at a workout, it's, it's class. Um, so I'd say ride the, ride the wave there on that one. Yeah, I agree with you to a point. So there's a buck coming. Yeah, there we go. No, it's just, I think it's just individual differences because with me, I would love um, a full gym mm-hmm. and then I wouldn't care if we were all doing different, different things. Thing. Like yeah. a Saturday, you know, yeah, where yeah. like the open gym is quite busy. Yeah. And then if I'm, like the time I was doing snatches, for example, and there were a few people about and mm. like, yeah, you do get a buzz off that, even if they're doing a different thing. Mm. Like you're like, cool, like we're all training and we're having a good time. Yeah. And then from a workout perspective, I've had it both ways where like, I've enjoyed the push and the atmosphere, but then I've also lost myself into the comparison game of trying right, to run right, somebody else's yeah. race. And then I've done that like too many times in competitions to think you need to focus on your own pacing. Mm. Um, and again, that comes with experience to know your own pacing, mm. to enjoy the atmosphere of doing the same workout, but to still run your own race. Yeah. Yep. So we've got um, two there. The third one is uh, to watch and learn. So where I talked about training on your own, the good thing is that introspection, you're, what's the opposite of introspection? Extroversion, I don't know. Is there an, is there an opposite? What you... When you look out at people, I don't know. So how do I... You're right than me. You probably know it in French. No, <laughs> no, no, no way. I know how to order. Anyway, I know how to order a pan of chocolate. I think that um, you can learn a lot from other people. This isn't comparison, but you can see like the way that you know Jack approaches the bar, the order with which he sets up for a snatch. You can learn these, you know, things by being around good people. Good, you know, someone does a muscle up, you can see how patient they are with the pull. Like you can learn things off of other people mm-hmm. really well in a group environment. That's not a comparison. It's not going, not beating yourself up. You know, he does that and I don't. It's going, okay, I wonder what makes him really good at that. Yeah. Um, oh, I've noticed this. I've noticed his approach. Look at how he breathes during the movement. Really like important things like that. And, and to be honest, a lot of them you pick up through osmosis. You're just next to someone. You kind of naturally do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch, watch, watch how his mother flows through yes. the muscle up into handstand push up. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, yeah. as you said, it's watching and learning and then applying it to yourself because mm. we've all got slightly different anthropometrics or so like limb length and things, mm. which mean that, okay, Jack Turner sets up like that in a snatch. Maybe I, I can make that work for me. Mm. Like, oh, okay, his hips are a little bit lower when he does a squat snatch versus a power snatch. Maybe I should try that. And mm. then you realize, oh, yeah, that's really helped. I was too high in my setup. Yeah. Definitely. There's so many good things for that. And yeah. you can compare. It's like when you and I had that episode, the last one we recorded, where we were talking about the different drills. You know, when you when you work with other people who are experienced, you can pick up new drills that you weren't aware of before mm. that could, like, really unlock the... Um, I, like, I love your PT roundups on Instagram. I think that's a really good thing that you're doing at the minute because you're showcasing different drills. And then I saw, like, a few of your drills that I'd, I'd never come up across before for certain elements. And it's funny because you could do a different drill for the same outcome, but it's working for the drill for that person. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a great thing of having a big group around you. Someone's like, oh, you know, do you mind if I give you a bit of advice? I, I might try this. And you go, oh, that's actually really helped. So yeah. it is a cool thing. Wicked, yeah. So, um We've got our three top tips there. So train on your own, um, have a plan, never change the plan during the session and then video and learn. And if you're training in a group, don't compare, harness the energy or the atmosphere uh, and watch and learn. Yeah. Notice how learn features in both. Learning's key. 
because you brought up introspection this whole thing of training is a this is going to sound so philosophical here we go yeah no just cut us off now um you know the whole thing is about learning about yourself right more you know your your movement your pacing yeah. your mindset you know you're doing hard things you're growing you're getting stronger you're getting fitter and it's about not not then comparing it to other people like oh jack can do 10 muscle ups i can only do one but it's like oh cool i can do one i'm going to learn how to do a few more and the fact that yeah, i've learned that one yeah, yeah and the fact that i've learned that one is a cool thing i couldn't do that last year yeah. and so i'm going to continue learning movement and things to continue the exploration because the fun of crossfit in my experience looking back the fun of it is in the journey of how many things you learn that you couldn't do before mm-hmm. and that's cool Buzzing. There's only one way to finish this podcast. What? Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Shire Fit Podcast with Max and Johnny. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and we will see you next week for another episode.